0: You may be seated. Come on out here, Bishop Kurian. As I said, it's a real privilege for us to host the Good Shepherd Church of India and Bishop PV. I can't pronounce his first name, so he he spares us Americans and just does the initials PV. Um, uh, PV Kurian has uh, done a lot of ministry, and he's particularly gifted as an evangelist. Um, You surprised me because when I heard that he's such an evangelist, I gave him the John three sixteen passage, and he chose to preach from the Hebrews one. So. I don't know what to do with that, but I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. But I'd like to pray, pray for you. you. Lord, I'm grateful for my new friend, Bishop PV. I ask that you would bless him as he preaches. I pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word this morning. Thank you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's a privilege for me to be here this morning, and I hope you follow my Indian heavy Indian accent. I sometimes tell people that we kill the English language um, because the British ruled us. <laughs> so we take revenge on them. But I have no, nothing against you. Uh, <laughs> um, it's wonderful to be here in this. Uh, ah, by the way, if you don't follow my accent, or if you don't follow a word, you can make a note of it. And as Leah and Kevin here, But my friends who are in India, so they understand everything I say, even if I go about 20 or 30 miles per hour. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed being here. The welcome was good. I was actually welcomed here uh, by the priest here in a prayer meeting. And when I entered here on Friday morning, to hear them pray for the Good Shepherd Church was an elation in my spirit. I felt So happy that Grace, the Grace Community Church here, is backing us in prayer. And that's what we need. All the more this time in India where we face a lot of persecution. Um, I'm from the south of India. I had come to mission exposure for uh, three months. And then I ended up staying on for three years continuously because. After three months, one of the leaders, uh, who who was not so happy with me, he thought I am a little young guy, I shouldn't be out in missions, Um, you know, being attacked by all these fanatics. So he was uh, not too happy to get me on a team, but anyway, somehow I got in. And the three months were good. After the three months, he came to me and said, why don't you stay on for a year? I said, no, sir, I have to go back, continue my studies. He said, no, 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 take a break from the studies for a year. This is good for you. I see uh, that you have a passion for the Lord. I said, yes, I do have a passion for the Lord, but I wanted to go into the world, and then when I am 96 or 98, I wanted to be following Christ because we have a tradition in my family of my great-grandfathers, 98 and still walking without a walking stick and all that, so... I have that one, Um, so all set for being in the world and then um, I was confronted with a death when my friend, who was my closest friend, passed away at a very young age. That shook me and then um, I I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know uh, what is my aim in life. If this guy dies, then I may not live up to 98. I might also be called home. And he had a very interesting vision. He called my name, we spent the day together, and he called my name and said, "Um, hey, I see two angels come down with buckets in their hands, they have glowing clothes, and they are coming to take both of us. And I got frightened, I didn't hear that at that time, when I heard it by the time he was dead, I was frightened and i knew he's gone to be with jesus i didn't know where if i would go if i was ready so i used to fear for my life i used to think that some devils are always following me maybe to catch me because i am not like that guy i'm not as good as him anyway uh, it took some time it took a while to commit my life to the lord and ever since that i started preaching in my school and i was in a muslim school i am from a good christian home but uh, we were in a Muslim area in the northern part of Kerala, and uh, I used to preach to all these Muslim guys on Fridays. Fridays, we used to get a, a longer lunch break. So after the lunch, and they went and prayed and came back uh, from their mosque, I would gather them under a tree. By the way, I, I have a lot of stories with trees ever since that. Even after coming into missions, led a lot of people to the Lord under trees. So anyway. Uh, Uh, Indians actually go and worship under a tree. (laughs) I lead people to the Lord under the trees. Uh, So I used to preach, I used to tell them that you are all going to hell without Jesus. You better follow Jesus, otherwise you'll be in hell. And of course, it didn't go so well with them. (laughs) And since then I've changed uh, my way of preaching. I joined in missions Three months of preaching, that was an introduction to me. Everything went well. I was asked to be on a a year-long team, uh, and they moved us to the next state, which is called Karnataka. You might have heard the name Bangalore. Yeah, that city is in that state. Uh, The first day of arrival, we were manhandled, and I was so frightened. Our team leader was beaten, Black and blue. And that sent me chills in my spine. I was so scared. I was so afraid. And the next thing I wanted to do was to go back. I came here on a one year commitment. The first welcome was terrible. I was frightened. But our team leader, in spite of being beaten up, he took us to preach the word. First, open air, we used to do open air meetings out in the streets. So the first meeting, he was again thrashed. We were not. He was thrashed because he was uh, from that place. Again, I was afraid. But then he take us all to a safer place and then he tells us, young lads, to go into the town <laughs> with the gospel and we carried gospel portions with us it was a frightening experience. The guy who was with me also didn't speak the language. Both of us didn't speak. So we went and entered there. We we're going place to place, giving people gospel literature. There is a guy working with a hammer. So we handed over a gospel portion. He did not receive it. He turned around with his hammer in his hand, said, Is Jesus God? I we understood what he was telling and we both were frightened we had goosebumps all over but is jesus god we can't say no i don't i wonder if if you are in a situation like that what you would do i have I come from a very good Christian tradition where I was told, I was taught that there may be opposition in life, but you should never deny Christ. And so we held on saying, this is good for you, this is about Jesus, he gave his life for you. But this guy did not get his answer, he wanted to ask, is Jesus God? and if you said yes definitely that hammer was coming on our head i wonder what you would do if you face a situation like this you are very comfortable here right you may not have a hammer coming on you but is this question asked to you in a different form in a different way is jesus god is he your lord And do you still witness? Do you still tell who he is? From the portion that we read, Hebrews chapter 2 Since therefore children share in flood and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. The devil, and to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I was afraid to die because I did not know if I was a true follower of Jesus. Though I have a good Christian tradition, our forefathers go back to Thomas the Apostle. I sometimes tell, As a joke, I doubt sometime because we believed in Jesus because Thomas came. He was a doubter. But that's an excuse. And that day I was tested if I would truly follow Christ, if I truly would stand for him. And we continued, he did not hammer us, thank God, that still sends chills in my spine if i if i go back to that site that situation that turned around those oppositions made me what i am today otherwise i would have definitely gone back thinking that i'll become an old man then i will serve the lord when i am basically good for nothing when i am when i have Earned all the money that I wanted in the world then I would follow Jesus and that's what some of us think I guess life is very short and to me we were we were faced with death death on your face what do you like how do you like it what if it is if today is your last day we never think about it right when we are comfortable We're sitting happily in a church pew, and we're very comfortable. There are people out there who go through fear of death. They don't know their destiny, and many of the Indians who follow the religion of Hinduism, they have no idea of what is next, what is after death. They think they will, would be reborn into cycles, and it's a, it's a very huge philosophy. But Jesus has come to give life. And this message needs to be told. And unless we go and tell, how will they hear this message? People who are under the fear of death need to be Delivered. So we faced opposition many, many times. Uh, Then I was forced to take leadership of a team that was going around and preaching. I was quite young. You wouldn't believe that I took leadership then. I used to be a school leader and all that. When I was in fifth grade, I was the leader for the entire school. There were about 700 students. There was sixth and seventh grade, but I was the leader. I was in fifth fifth grade. Um, I don't know, I still can't understand how it was. Uh, I led the school, and this was uh, a Hindu man who was a principal of the school, who managed the school. And uh, I was his favorite because I used to study well. Um, And uh, then on it was, I didn't know that I have this quality of leadership. I always used to take the back stage. I used to sit in church at the back. Um, And once the pastor asked, all those who sit at the back, please come forward. This in India, they do it. Please come forward because the pastor needs them right there. And once I went to the pastor and said, listen, that's the last time you say this. Next time you say this, I'm going to get up and walk out, go to another church. He said, okay. Um, so pastors have to please people sometime, right? Unfortunate. This message of deliverance that Jesus is the answer, and I was afraid to die. It sent chills in my spines because of my friend who went to heaven in a bucket, I don't know. But that's what he said, he told. Um, but if it is true, bucket or plane or whatever, the angels were there to receive him. That's the sight he had. I looked at his body. I couldn't believe it. I ran back home, took my books, ran to school, and I told the favorite teachers there. And when I told one of the teachers, she just, she was a Muslim, she just wept because this guy was a very special child. Oh, not a special child in the sense, he was a smart guy, brilliant. He, he was a, a religious man. He believed in Jesus. He lived a life, a short life, but it was a fantastic life. So there, I committed my life to follow Jesus and to proclaim this news and to deliver people who are under the fear of death. And that's what happened to me. My fear was gone because I know Jesus now. I have faced opposition, I face faced death threats. But when I became a team leader, of course, you are leading a team with guys who are much older than you. I even had a 62-year-old pastor of a Methodist church. Uh, After I preached, he said, Captain, I am coming with you. Can you take me? I said, you are a little too old to fit in our group. You'll have to sit at the back of the truck. We sleep on the floor. We on the road sometime, and I have slept in uh, graveyards. Uh, earlier, I used to be afraid, but I said, oh, they're all dead. They can't do anything until Jesus comes. And if Jesus came, and if they all rose, then I will also be there, right? So we have done crazy things, and he said, are you ready? He said, yes, captain. I am ready to come. And he used to c- call me captain. That embarrassed me because I was much younger. I was actually 19, and he was 62. He left his huge church, which had over a thousand people. And he came with us. We went and preached the gospel. And he said, This is the first time I've been out on the street. I told him you had to sit at the back of the truck, but I was kind enough because he was, at that time, as old as my father. So I put him in the front with us. We went around preaching the gospel. And then from there, I had several opportunities to visit some of the Islamic countries, I came back, went on uh, studying Islam a little more because I knew a lot more, studied the Quran, and I grew a long beard. Maybe I should have come, next time when I come, try to come, Um, I looked like my grandfather uh, in those beard, and I used to go and sit in a market telling people that there is hope. We were threatened, still we continued. I was able to lead a couple of religious leaders to the Lord, and also we have the other majority religious group, a leader had come, watched our team, we were six of us, we went every Tuesday and Saturday to that market. My strategy was just befriend them, get to know them, Get, into the, get invited to their villages. And there, out of all the people, I should have been a happy man because I was able to lead a religious person to the Lord and we had 120 people follow the Lord through him. It was a very fascinating experience. I can't talk about it because I'm given about 25 minutes. It could be 25 hours. And I know, I will have no congregation here. So, In that wonderful experience, we were so happy, leading people to the Lord, meeting people, talking about Jesus, and there was a threat. A guy turned up there and said, if you return again next week here, I will break your femur bone. And I had chills in my spine, goosebumps all over. I don't give much thought to that. If I give that, maybe it'll come back to me, that fear. And I said, man, this guy is dangerous. But I am very good in, in uh, acting. So I actually put on a front and just stood up to the guy saying that I am afri- not afraid of you. So I took the New Testament and said, sir, the message of this book has changed my life. And I come from Kerala, which is about three days of travel in a train. And if I, I was afraid of you, I would never have made this journey. The fact that I'm here, in your place, in your market. And by the way, this is a market. It doesn't belong to you. Anybody can come here, so I'll come here. He said, no, 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 this is my area, our area. And I am a leader here, if I tell. And some of those leaders are very powerful. I said, sir, I know you're a religious leader and I'm a religious, of course I had the appearance, I had the longest beard in the whole market. So, naturally, he has to respect me, but he was not respecting me here, so I had to tell him that I am a religious leader, and as you are, and we shouldn't be talking here like street boys. You read this one, I know all about your religion, let's come back the next week, we will find a place where we are alone, and we will talk. You discuss. After that, if you don't like what I am doing, what I am talking, then you can think of ways to get rid of me. Then I put this new testament in this Bag and this guy was so frightened. I have never seen anybody so frightened by receiving a holy book. They respect this book. And I went back with fear and trembling. We had a group of women praying for us, uh, about 30 of them, and they assured me that nothing will happen to you, we will be backing you. And I challenge many of you women to be prayer warriors for the gospel for the kingdom. And that's what happened. We went back. After three months, I met this guy and I asked him, sir, Mr. Leg Breaker, what happened? He said, sir, I was bedridden. Can you imagine? If he didn't, he would have come and broken my leg. Again, that chill came through my spine. But I stood to him and said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to pray in the mosque. I said, okay, after that, will you come with me? We'll have a cup of tea and talk. And he came back. We talked and he became my best friend there. The next time when we were asked uh, to leave the place, this guy stood up and said, no, these are good men. They stay here. Since then, I was quite discouraged at one point after spending about 15 years of not seeing any fruit. The Lord turned that around because we, I declared a three days of fasting and prayer. I had to come to the end of myself. I think I thought, I am great. I know everything. I know how to lead people to the Lord, I have studied different religion, and I have led people to the Lord, so I thought I can do it. Now by the thousands I wanted to do, but I didn't see much fruit, and I was a very disappointed man. And I asked the Lord, what is this? I didn't want to come here to the north of India, leaving my comfort zone, I had to learn a new language, I came here, and now what? I didn't see thousands come to your kingdom, so give me a break. Tell me what to do. I am not too happy. I was a grumpy old man. No, I'm not old yet. Yeah. And I sat there. We sought the Lord. And the Lord met with us. There is a call from this market. Asking me to come back. And pray for a boy who was dying of hepatitis B. Who was given three days to live. I didn't know. God Speak to you through phone calls? I didn't know that. So I said, no, 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 I can't come. I am here to hear from the Lord. The Lord was calling already, but I didn't recognize his voice. I kept praying. I said, okay, you guys go. These are three believers, new, brand new. They don't know how to even uh, find Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel in the Bible, or even... uh, John 3. So they said, we don't know how to pray. I said, that's a beauty. You go and pray, ask Jesus to heal that boy. That's it. That you can do. They said, yeah, we can do that. And I said, we are going to pray for the next two hours here. The Lord will do. And that's what the Lord did. I was in a meeting. I didn't hear anything. I was in a meeting, uh, in a worship meeting. There were about 50 people. Eight people gave testimonies of wonderful things that God did. And I said, I'm not going to preach. (laughs) I'm just going to thank the Lord. So stand with me. Let's worship this God who is real. And then this one guy from the back came running and said, I have something to share. I said, next Sunday. He said, no, today. I said, I'm the leader. I'm telling you no. He said, no, I can't listen to you. I have to say this. Sometimes our Indians can be very pushy and just... Yeah, and and you better listen to them, otherwise they might take over your place and you may lose your, uh, you may not be the pastor anymore. So he actually came forward and he said, you prayed for my boy, he was healed. Then he runs back, grabs his boy, bring him forward. God was gracious, he healed the boy. And here I'm looking at a miracle That was enough for me To trust him To continue to serve I'm sorry The Jesus that I serve Is great Is wonderful It's worth living And dying for him So I doubted him, I was doing things in my own flesh, my own strength, and that day I surrendered. And then on it was invitation after invitation to new villages where we saw people follow Jesus. And when you say I lead 300 churches, (laughs) I should be leading about 3,000 churches. 300? It's nothing. It's a drop in the ocean. People are out there in the darkness. We need to reach out to them. Because he became flesh and blood, he gave his life, and he is real. We need to experience him really in our lives. That makes a difference. I went on preaching. I had to change my language. I had to do it in Hindi now. I was doing everything in Urdu, the Muslim's language. I had to change. I took a Bible, a new Bible. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I was marking it uh, to use the correct form, uh, the phrases and all that. So there in the congregation was sitting in man. He said, I need that Bible. I need a Bible. We didn't carry extra Bibles, so I said, oh, now what? So I had to give him the Bible. And then I had to use my English Bible to preach in Hindi. And that guy put his trust in the Lord. He was reading. He wanted to read. And then uh, we had to help him to find uh, uh, Second Corinthians and all that. I was preaching from there. I don't know why I was preaching from Second Corinthians. to no new people who doesn't know the Lord. I was talking about reconciliation. And that entire congregation put their trust in the Lord. And one of their young little girl came forward and led us in a praise and worship after that. And that went on till we decided to gather all these believers together so that they know that they are not just 20 or 30 or 100 or 70. We wanted them to know that there are so many from different castes, some Upper caste, some untouchable, some outcast, they all could come together and take part in the communion. So we had a thousand people in the first one, then we had a, a two thousand, we had no place to gather. We changed the venue. Our Kevin was involved in purchasing this particular land that we have, and we have a Bible school there. We started teaching them from the word, and they became evangelists. It just went on from there, there is no going back. And the last one we led, it is called the Jesus Festival, was at 10,000 people. I was baptizing people there, my wife was running when we had just the previous year, 5,000 people. She was running, I said, what happened? I was in the pool, baptizing people, I saw her run with a bunch of women. She said, oh, they ran out of food. Because we were already feeding uh, those who have come from the farthest, so they had to get back to their villages. It's a one-day event where everybody come in unison, say, Jai Masiki, praise be to Jesus. And that is a wonderful thing. And then the last one we did was 10,000 people. Them coming together and just say, victory to Jesus. Victory against the evil one. Victory against the kingdom of darkness. That they are in the light and they eat together from one source, that is unheard of in our part of the world. This is what our Jesus is. How can we be quiet? How can we sit comfortably? It's good to be comfortable and all that. I know uh, when I go to the villages, some places we have churches, some places we don't have. We have a church that we just completed. I think some of you have supported that church from this. Yeah, Gentlemen, gentleman, yes. You wanted to come there, right? I look forward for the day, you, I can take you there. We have 700 believers there. These are gatherers and hunters. That's their living. They used to steal and robe, but they are transformed by the gospel. And I was there with them. We stayed in the church. There are no pews. They all sit on the floor. My wife was in the church while we men were uh, changing our vests. There's only one little place. And then she said, man, I was so amazed. A young girl came, knelt down there, and started praying. What do we do when we come in our churches? In our traditional churches, we come, we chit-chat, we ask things, but there they came and prayed. And then, followed was about 40 people, all kneeling down and praying for the service, one hour earlier. And that challenged us. We need to continue to pray, reach out to the world with the gospel. He is the light of the world. And may he continue to transform our world into his kingdom. May God bless you all. Thank you.